Here's one speculation for 2014. Will this be the year which finally sees the end of a key Asian political dynasty? No, not the Kim dynastic dictatorship in North Korea, though after that brutal purge of Kim Jong-un's uncle Jang Son-tek, it may have sown the seeds of that dynasty's ultimate self-destruction. But today my concern is for India. Once again, neither for the first time, nor probably the last, the speculation is increasing that the end is nigh for that long-lasting political dynasty in the world's largest democracy. Let immediately get one common misperception out of the way. It is not, as it's commonly perceived to be, the Nehru-Gandhi dynasty. It is commonly but wrongly perceived to be the dynasty fostered by the first Prime Minister of independent India, Jawaharlal Nehru, and the prophet who aroused India to pursue non-violence and independence, Mahatma Gandhi. Even that stickler for factual accuracy, the International New York Times, makes this basic error. Go to the slideshow on the dynasty on the page of the New York Times website devoted to the current dynast Rahul Gandhi or the one devoted to his mother Sonia Gandhi, both in the multimedia section of Times Topics. And no less than three reproductions of one photo illustrate the misperception. The picture is a famous one, taken in 1946, of Nehru in his elegant Kashmiri attire and Mahatma Gandhi in his loincloth, conferring earnestly together at the approach of independence. The picture illustrates their intimate political relationship, nothing more. But the Times slideshow emphasises the dynastic misperception with another slide showing Nehru's very young daughter, Indira, sitting shyly on the side of a bed where Gandhi is sleeping. The Times is certainly not alone in attaching the Mahatma to the dynasty. The misperception is commonplace. Yet if anyone had then suggested to Mahatma Gandhi that independent India should be ruled by a dynasty composed of the offspring of his friend Nehru, Gandhi, who was occasionally an autocrat in his behaviour but always a dedicated democrat in his outlook, would almost certainly have denounced the idea immediately and Nehru, in those days at least, would almost certainly have agreed with him. Dynastic rule, in short, was not on the Nehru-Gandhi agenda, and it is unfair to both men to go on suggesting that it was. The Nehru-Gandhi dynasty eventually materialised because Nehru's daughter Indira married and had children with a little-known politician named Feroz Gandhi, who was in no way related to the Mahatma. It can be argued that by frequently using Indira as his hostess on official occasions, especially in his later years, Nehru encouraged dynastic development. But it is more accurate to note that Nehru unwittingly encouraged dynastic development because of his personal political dominance over the whole of the Indian political scene during his 17-year premiership, a situation well summarised by the well-known dynastic excuse... In the shade of the banyan tree, no other tree can grow. In these circumstances, the Indian National Congress primarily became a democratic vehicle for supporting the leader rather than finding and supporting possible successors. Eventually, the convinced, definite dynast in the family turned out to be Indira. 
She played up the dynastic idea when Nehru's likely and immediate successors failed to solidify a succession provided by the Indian National Congress, and she became their natural and indeed their only choice. Nine years into her first period as Prime Minister, India came close to destroying the long-term acceptability of dynasty in India when through her imposition of emergency rule in 1975, she became the only Indian Prime Minister to try to establish an authoritarian system to replace democracy, which in turn led to her landslide election defeat in 1977. But once again, after 1977, a non-dynastic succession failed to attain longevity. Despite the depth of her fall, Indira quickly made a comeback, recovered her standing, won an election in 1980 and returned to the premiership. She clearly encouraged her eldest son, Sanjay, to succeed her. But his preference for stunt flying led to his 1980 death in a plane crash. So her youngest son, Rajiv, a reluctant politician, was pushed forward. He became her successor when Indira was assassinated by her own Sikh bodyguards in 1984. That same year, Rajiv won a massive general election victory and then served the full five-year term as Prime Minister. Rajiv lost the 1989 election, largely because of Congress involvement in corruption scandals, but still played an influential role over who, from within the opposition, became the next Prime Minister after him. A comeback to the Premiership was distinctly possible, but then Rajiv was assassinated in southern India by a Tamil terrorist in 1991. 1991 was thus a crucial benchmark for the Nehru dynasty. In the 44 years since 1947, there were altogether seven brief non-dynastic premierships, but Nehru, Indira and Rajiv, between them, were prime ministers for nearly 38 of those 44 years. In the 22 years since then, there have been six prime ministers, but no member of the dynasty has achieved the highest office. Amazingly, illustrating the depth of the dynastic instinct, some Congress leaders did approach Rajiv's grieving and traumatized widow, Sonia, soon after the assassination and ask her to pick up where Rajiv left off. Wisely recognizing her limitations, the Italian-born Sonia rejected their request. The leaders made no approach to Rajiv's only son, Rahul, who was then still an underage student. At this point, the dynasty might have disappeared. Instead, it was transformed. Instead of pursuing ministerial office, both Sonia and Rahul have sought to work within and to strengthen the vehicle that has kept the dynasty at the forefront of Indian politics, the Indian National Congress. After keeping herself to herself for much of the 1990s, Sonia gradually eased into party work and party positions. Today she is not merely the fifth foreign-born Indian to lead the Indian National Congress. Sonia is also the longest reigning president of the Indian National Congress in its long history. During her presidency, she has led the Congress and its united progressive alliance coalition with smaller political parties to two notable general election victories in 2004 and 2009. She has consistently supported Manmohan Singh as Prime Minister after those two victories. It is conceivable that she might undertake a direct role in government one day, 
but it's unlikely, the more so since there are question marks against her health. She has encouraged her son Rahul to also play a role in the party, and he is now a vice-president in Congress. So the Nehru dynasty has remained in power, though not personally in charge of the government. So why the anxiety about the future? Why the renewed speculation that the dynasty is dying? First, a word of caution. Death of the dynasty analysis has been a regular product of Indian journalism ever since Nehru died, and even before that. They have not proved to be prophetic yet, as the ascendancy of the Hindi-speaking Sonia Gandhi indicates. The doubts centre on the uncertain personality of Rahul Gandhi. The initial indication that all was not well came from me from the results of the state elections held late last year. Earlier, Rahul Gandhi had been placed in charge of the Congress campaign in the state election in the key state and old Nehru Congress bailiwick of Uttar Pradesh. He failed to deliver. The state election results in December 2013 were even more disastrous. The main opposition party, the Hindu nationalist Bharatiya Janata Party, the BJP, retained control of the large state of Madhya Pradesh and gained control from Congress of Rajasthan, winning landslides on both occasions. It maintained its control of Chhattisgarh, the BJP roundly defeated Congress in Delhi, the capital, with the Congress reduced to a distant third place. And a new maverick anti-corruption political party coming second to the BJP in the capital. The only state in which Congress retained control was the small northeastern border state of Mizoram. Seeing these results, one Indian historian, Ramachandra Guha, was quick to pronounce the dynastic obituary. Quote, it is a substantial defeat for Congress. Congress herself may learn nothing. They firewall their senior leadership from criticism, even internally. But what we are learning is that the charisma of the Gandhi family is basically more or less gone. Those results represent the voice of a much younger group of voters who do not remember the contributions or sacrifices, real or imagined, of Indira Gandhi, the martyrdom of Rajiv Gandhi, unquote. Another indication of trouble ahead for the ruling Congress and the dynasty guiding it came from reports during the state elections indicating that the man chosen to the BJP's prime ministerial candidate in the forthcoming general election, Narendra Modi, was drawing huge crowds to his rallies in various states. Modi is the long-time chief minister of the western state of Gujarat, widely despised and bitterly criticised for his alleged failure to curtail and end anti-Muslim riots in Gujarat in 2002 when over 1,000 died. Attracting huge crowds at election time has long been an attribute of the Nehru dynasty. The fact that Modi was also doing so late last year not merely testified to his organisation, but also suggested that he had overcome the opposition within the BJP to his being the party's prime ministerial candidate. The state election results indicated a political tide working in his favour. Some of these political strands came together as India's long-time low-key Prime Minister Manmohan Singh gave one of his rare press conferences early in the new year. 
One Indian journalist implicitly asked whether the dynasty was responsible for Singh's adverse image as a weak prime minister. Deftly, Singh turned aside the question, saying he left it up to historians to judge whether or not he had been an ineffectual leader, and then politely delivered a hammer blow in Modi's direction. Quote, If by a strong prime minister you mean that you preside over the mass massacre of innocent citizens on the streets of the capital of Gujarat, Ahmedabad, that is a measure of strength I don't think this country needs, least of all in its prime minister. Of course, he was thereby referring to the 2002 riots. But the 81-year-old Singh's main purpose in calling the press conference was to state the obvious, that he would not be seeking a third term as prime minister and that he would support the dynasty that had all along supported him. Quote, The Prime Minister expresses his support for Rahul Gandhi, Vice President of the Congress Party and scion of the powerful Gandhi family as the party's choice for the post of Prime Minister in the national elections. Rahul Gandhi has outstanding credentials to be nominated and I hope our party will take the decision at an appropriate time, unquote. But Rahul Gandhi's main credential for being nominated is precisely that he is heir to the dynasty. So it came as quite a surprise a few days later when at a gathering of Congress leaders in Delhi it was decided that it was not the appropriate time for Rahul to be formally nominated as Congress candidate for Prime Minister ahead of the coming general election. Quote, We took a decision and the decision is final, unquote. President Sonia Gandhi announced. Significantly, no one speculated that there were other Congress candidates quietly contesting the nomination. The dynasty remains supreme. The nomination is withheld, it is widely assumed, in order to insulate Rahul from a presidential-style campaign against the formidable Mr Modi, who wants badly to campaign as the son of a tea stall owner battling Rahul, an Indian princeling. There we must pause the Indian dynastic story for the time being. Sufficient to note that there is reason to doubt Sonia Gandhi's confident assertion of dynastic logic that, quote, the energy and excitement I am seeing is proof that when we decide, we can do anything, unquote.